Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season three. Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Season 3, Episode 15, Consequences, or as I like to call this episode, Breaking Bad. <laughs> this is a really good episode. I'm going to go out on a limb here, Steph. I don't know how you feel, but yeah. I feel like almost every scene in this episode is perfect. Really? Yes. That is, you know what? I love when you and I come in and say right off the bat how we feel because it really sets up the tone <laughs> for how this conversation is going to go because I kind of found this episode too talky. Okay. I've, maybe it's because I write the majority of our podcast prep notes. But uh, I was just like, man, there's so much conversation in this in this episode. And it, it's just like, ooh, it's a tough one, too, because so much of me, who is usually 100% on Buffy's side, a lot of the things she was saying in this episode, I, I was... I was like, I don't know if I agree, Buffy. I don't know if I agree. So I this episode's a little bit more of a struggle for me. That's fair. Like, I'm with you on the Buffy stuff. Um, there's lots we can talk about when it comes to that. I, I agree with that. But I just, I find this episode so incredibly engrossing. You know, it, it's the equivalent of Innocence and Surprise last season with that kind of mid-season two-parter that doesn't have part two in it. <laughs> You know, but you can't have bad girls without consequences. You can't have consequences without bad girls. Like, the previous episode had a lot of action. And this episode is the fallout. And mm -hmm. it's just every single scene, I'm going to have something to say about just how wonderfully the writers have tied it all together. And they're setting up things for the rest of the season. And they're they're fulfilling other things that they've been setting up. It's It's beautiful. I'm gonna cry. It's so beautiful. Oh, don't don't cry just yet. Uh, there, there, yeah, there, there is a lot of great things about this episode. When I say it's too talky, it's just because, like you said, the last episode was lots of action, lots of things setting up for this episode, and together as a package, they are setting up the rest of the season. So let's get into it. Uh, we start off with Buffy, who is swimming the oceans looking for the sea monsters from Go Fish. <laughs> No, she's not. She's dreaming because she's underwater. And Alan, remember Deputy Mayor Alan, who got stabbed to death last episode? Uh, he's holding Buffy underwater. He's he's alive underwater and holding her back and she's going to drown. She kicks herself free and gets to the surface. And Faith is there and rudely pushes her back under the water. So this is a great mm. metaphor. Buffy drowning is a great metaphor for Buffy drowning <laughs> in real life <laughs> yeah like it's really really interesting how mm -hmm. this episode opens up on buffy feeling guilt for something faith did yeah you know like like one of the things i want to say in this episode is buffy has an overactive guilt complex and it goes back to her being as faith says the goody two-shoes one like Buffy, you didn't kill Alan. Yes, you were there. And oh my God, you transgressed and you were a bad girl for one night and somebody ended up dead. Yes, it's terrible. But like, 
this is not your fault, Buffy. And I understand that she's processing trauma, but it's like, Mm -hmm. it's so fascinating to me that, you know, she's feeling that guilt so harshly. Um, And it does say something about Buffy's character. And I, I think that she does struggle a lot with like, I need to be the good one. And it's also interesting that we open up on a dream because every other time we see Buffy dreaming and we get a glimpse into her subconscious, uh, the question comes up, is this a prophecy or not? And I don't think Mm -hmm. this is a prophecy, this particular dream, but they're showing it to us nonetheless and we have to pay attention to when Buffy dreams. You're just salty because there's no angel in it. I know. I was like, uh, at, le- at the very least, Angel could have been standing behind Faith <laughs> watching her drown you. Uh, but Buffy wakes up and she goes to her mom's room. Joyce is watching in the news, unsure what time of night it is. That is where they're saying that Deputy Mayor Alan Finch, his body was discovered. And okay, in the last episode, Faith said that the body doesn't exist. So Faith, you're really bad at hiding bodies (laughs) like they found it within i don't know if this is the same night or it can't be the same night it surely has to be the next day or the next night yeah i think it's the next morning it's the morning i think it's early morning or something or is it night well uh, because later in the well later in the episode the police are asking where buffy was the previous night yeah exactly but buffy's already gotten up in the morning to go to faith and say you killed a guy and she said I don't care, you know? So they already had right, that so whole I, yeah, thing. Yeah, I think it's one day later. I think there's been one day. This is Halloween all over again where we're confused about <laughs> timing. Why are we so bad at this? Um, <laughs> sorry. But yes, it's also like, to be fair to Faith, most of the people she stabs in the heart turn to dust. She doesn't mm. have a lot of experience getting rid of bodies. It's true. But she was so cocky being like, the, the body doesn't exist. There it is, Faith. You like literally threw it off the dock and people found it literally 24 hours Consequences. later. Consequences. Consequences. So uh, the mayor is uh, talking about this brutal stabbing on the news and he's saying that he will not rest until whoever did this is found and brought to justice. And of course, Joyce is just like, oh, it's just terrible. Oh just terrible why don't you start up moo again joyce (laughs) mothers against alan's killers (laughs) joyce is incredibly underused in this episode i will say mac that's what she's gonna start up (laughs) cut to the library the next morning and wesley is telling faith and buffy to look into this murder of the deputy mayor and buffy says it's not their jurisdiction but faith who is cool as a cucumber says it's no big b we'll look into it if you want so that immediately should be suspicious why is faith being so amenable to taking orders from wesley right it's like she should be the first one to be like fuck no (laughs) and (laughs) giles is agreeing with buffy he's like human malice you know it's not supernatural and wesley says it merits investigation and giles says well if you ask me there are better uses of the slayer's time and wesley's like well i don't think i did ask you what a pissing match (laughs) shake your dicks gentlemen yeah they're 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 like two peacocks just (laughs) flexing on each other and giles brings up that the time that they were up against balthazar which what you and i are saying was that yesterday (laughs) was that the day two days ago um and that's when cordelia enters and she needs books from giles on psychology and wesley is just staring at her it's creepy 
It's creepy. And Giles goes to get the books. And Cordelia says, check out Giles, the next generation. What's your deal? And Wesley (laughs) stammers. Like he's like, and Faith says, that's our new watcher. And Buffy says that Cordelia is a friend. And Cordelia is like, let's not exaggerate. (laughs) Yeah, because Wesley, of course, is a little surprised that everybody just knows about watchers. (laughs) (laughs) Knows about watchers, knows about slayers. And uh, Wesley introduces himself to her. And she's like, ooh, I like a man with two last names. (laughs) Cordelia is smooth. And uh, she introduces herself. And he asks her if she's a te- if she teaches psychology. And she says, I take psychology. And Giles just walks by and he's just like, she's a student. <laughs> I loved that. I love Giles chirping people because he's so good at it. Um, and again, this is this is where I'm defending my thesis that every scene in this episode or near enough is perfect. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. This is super duper icky. Uh, Wesley having a thing with Cordelia. Like, mm, no, please no. As a teacher, Mm. do not want. But it's hilarious. And it's just all these little comments from the supporting characters make it even better. Yeah. And uh, Wesley says he's like he's like oh she's a student so he kind of like snaps out of it but he's also like he's here to watch girls (laughs) he's like buffy and faith specifically and cordelia says well it's time we got fresh blood around here and wesley is so gross he's just like fresh yes i'm like oh and so cordelia gets her books and walks out wesley watches her ass as she leaves the library and says she's cheeky isn't she and And Faith says, first word, jail, second word, bait. Okay, jail bait is one word, Faith. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's stop you right there, Faith. Uh, (sighs) Jail bait is a very sexist term to me, I find. Agreed. And uh, it's because I just don't like the idea that it's as if young girls are somehow responsible for tricking men into having sex with them, thus sending them to prison. You know, it's, it's not... They're not jail bait. It's just that men that are into young girls are disgusting. <laughs> so yeah. stop comparing us to fishing lure, please. <laughs> um, anyway, so Wesley clears his, fr- his throat and Faith says her, her and Buffy are off to patrol. And Wesley says on the matter of this murder, I'm resolved, natural or supernatural, I want to know. And Faith says, fine by me, always ready to kick a little bad guy butt. And they leave. And she, like, again, you're saying, like, it is weird that Faith is so, like, into listening to Wesley. And she's, like, you know, like a Girl Scout right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And Buffy brings her into an empty classroom. And Faith asks Buffy if she's going to rat her out. And Buffy says she can't pretend that that she can just investigate this and, like, she doesn't know. And Faith says that she can pretend that Angel's still dead when you need to protect him. And I was like, oh, shit, fair. (laughs) Very fair. And Buffy says she's trying to protect her. And if we don't do the right thing, it's only going to get worse for you. And Faith says, worse than jail for the rest of my young life? No way. You were right there beside me when the whole thing went down. Anything I have to answer for, you do too. You're part of this bee all the way. And then she storms out. (laughs) This is the first, like, there's a lot of scenes between Buffy and Faith discussing their sides of what they should be doing Mm. in this situation and on one hand i'm like yes buffy's right you should tell giles right like we learned this back in revelations when everyone found out that angel was alive and how upset giles was that buffy kept that secret from him so buffy's learning from that 
She's like, I know, you should tell if, him. If Giles was that upset about Angel, you can imagine how upset Giles is going to be when he finds out his buddy Alan is dead. Well, yeah, he was going to vote for him. <laughs> he was going to vote for Alan <laughs> in the next election. Um, <laughs> but um, there, there is a lot of parallels between revelations in this episode in, in consequences just as you were comparing mm-hmm. surprise and innocence and that package deal with these ones but i want to bring up here again like it was an accident right like it was an accident yes. she didn't mean but to kill how him how are they going to explain that to the police I, I know but like to everybody else to like the scoobies to everybody like yo this happened and it was like it, it was an accident right. and it's and, not and good that that's what we're going to see when everything finally comes out right but i think so faith is clearly panicking and in, in denial which we will see more of that and i think buffy is torn because as we've established buffy loves to keep secrets from everybody else <laughs> <laughs> but also you know i think buffy's intimidated by faith's callousness if this were anybody else buffy would be in charge right now but faith has always challenged buffy's authority you know and we saw that in the previous episode and buffy herself is taking on this guilt because she gave in to her urge to be a bad girl and now she's being punished for it Mm, yeah i also just want to register i really liked buffy's top in this scene the little re- like red sleeveless like kind of like loose billowy um neck going on like, yeah it was, it was just a really nice top she's a classy 25 year old model <laughs> at this <laughs> high school um in the hallway buffy finds willow like buffy's out of it because of this situation she's got herself in and she finds willow sitting by herself and joins her and willow's super awkward because let's not forget that buffy was ditching willow uh, a couple of times in the last episode and that hurt her feelings. So Willow asks Buffy where Faith is. She knows she saw her and she figured they'd go out and kill some nasty stuff together. It's really awkward and tense because Buffy's like, oh, she left. I think she, you know, she took off. Clearly Buffy wants to talk to Willow, but Willow is really uncomfortable. So she just mentions that Michael, remember Michael, the warlock guy that we talked about from Gingerbread? Well, she says, she and him are trying to figure out how to de-rat Amy. So she has to leave. And she's just like, see ya, (laughs) like leaves, leaving Buffy there to be alone. So at the alleyway where Alan was stabbed, there's a bloody dumpster left behind and police are there. They're taping it off. They're questioning witnesses. I don't know how they linked his body in the river to this spot. But what we need to know from this scene is that Angel, the investigator vampire, (laughs) is watching this and... I think we splash back. He remembers that he smelt and saw the blood on Buffy. And I think he can smell mm. the blood here. And he's make, he's putting two and two together. Angel investigating. Mm. Angel investigations. That's That's got a ring to it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's funny because maybe you can agree with me. Angel's standing there watching this all go down. He's not hiding. He's like out the open watching this scene play out. And I was like, do you think he's like the prime suspect to the police? Because he just he's just standing there like a serial killer watching them. Nah, do he's, this. he's just a nice boy, you know? Like looking so guilty. He's fine. He's fine. I'm Let's sure just, nothing. No, serial killers never return to you know, the city. You know the real problem in this city is the gangs. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, another white boy gang outside the bronze. 
So we cut to the the mayor's office and he's shredding paper. His shredding paper cheers him up usually, but it's not helping him now. I am with the mayor on this. Shredding paper is fun. Unless oh, yeah. the shredder jams. You need a good shredder. Exactly. You need a good one because when it jams, nothing is more soul crushing. <laughs> so Mr. Trick is there and he's like, oh, it's not giving you the yayas. And the mayor says, no, I guess, you know, it's not going to turn my frown upside down. And he's thinking about Alan and he's pissed because Alan apparently left a paper trail of their dealings. That's what he's shredding. Yeah, that's what he's shredding. Exactly. He's like, why would he leave so much incriminating evidence? <laughs> He says that, you know, he's wondering, would Alan betray him? But he's like, well, that's a horrible thought. And now that he's dead, I'll never get a chance to scold him. <laughs> so I just want to interject here. So we previously saw the mayor do some kind of evil ritual that's made him immortal, right? So nothing can harm him. This scene, if you just interpret the scene as, oh, the mayor is an affable bad guy, you know, he, he's so funny, but also evil. It's a great scene. I think there's something deeper here which is the mayor is super pissed in this moment because the nicer the mayor is on the surface, the more pissed he is. And the reason he's pissed is Alan's death reminds him that he still doesn't have all the power he seeks because for somebody else to kill Alan before the mayor chose to kill Alan is taking away Alan's life from the mayor's control. And for all his immortality... The mayor doesn't have control over life and death yet, right? Like mm -hmm. he doesn't have the power to bring Alan back. So I think the mayor is very annoyed and angry that this incident has reminded him that no matter how much power he's accrued so far, there are still things beyond his grasp. Mm -hmm. And for someone so organized and strategic as the mayor, because we know that he's been scheming this for since the beginning of the show, basically behind the scenes, yeah. something so out of his control, not only of Alan's death, but the fact that Alan left a paper trail, like he was sloppy, Ugh. right? So, ooh, this is getting under his skin. And Mr. Trick presents to him the coroner's report, Alan's coroner's report. It's a fast report. Yeah, and uh, he printed it out, too. Like, it's like he actually went there and got it. Uh, and the deputy mayor apparently had wooden splinters in his wound. So Mr. Trick is saying, struck right through the heart with a sharp, pointy object. Word is, someone was fighting vampires not a block away from the scene. Any smart money says that a slayer did this job. So the mayor takes that in, and he's like, well, do you think that Alan was talking to them? And then he's like, oh, well, this is exciting because a slayer up for murder one. That's sunshine and roses to me. It really is. And then he evil laughs. So first up, mm. I, I think it wouldn't be murder one. If I understand correctly, first degree murder has to be premeditated. And that would be very difficult to prove in this case. Um, it would be murder two or manslaughter, right? Like those are your choices, Mayor. <laughs> um, <laughs> so maybe just, you know. You're a guy who likes to be precise. Maybe be more precise with your words. Seriously. But I, I do, I know he's evil, but I'm just really happy he's happier now. So good job, Mr. Trick. I know. Mr. Trick did a really good job. He's a great right-hand man. Uh, Faith and Buffy are down the hall in City Hall. They're searching Alan's office. And Faith is commenting on how boring he was and making jokes about him. And Buffy is like, don't, you know. And she's like, I'm just kidding. Just, just joking. And she looks at a picture of Alan with the mayor on his desk and she says he came out of nowhere and Buffy says I know but Faith suddenly says you know whatever I'm not looking to hug and cry and learn and grow I'm just saying it happened quick you know and 
this is so clear because Faith does feel something. She does care that she killed this guy. And yes. she was letting that out for a second, but Buffy saw it and like she was sympathizing with her. She's like, yeah, I know. Like, I know it was a mistake. It was an accident. And Faith is so scared of losing Faith in front of Buffy that she just couldn't allow herself to be vulnerable to her right here. Like Buffy is the perfect slayer, the perfect teenager, the perfect daughter in Faith's eyes. And Faith has been comparing herself to her since she got to Sunnydale. And Mm -hmm. now Faith has murdered someone under Buffy's like in supervision. And Buffy is here and gets to take the high ground because Buffy wasn't the one that held the stake that killed the man. So it's just hard. Like there's so much going on internally with Faith. So I think this little scene Mm -hmm. of her starting to open up just a little bit and like admitting like he came out of nowhere and Buffy's like, yeah, I know. But she's like, oh, I'm not going to give, I can't give this to her. I can't give the satisfaction. Yes, I agree with you. I think more than anything, Faith wants somebody who can swoop in and make it all go away and make life simple again so she can just go back to slaying and being hungry and horny, right? <laughs> she wants that. And that she was hoping that would happen when she got rid of the body and it didn't. Um, and so like you said, right, Buffy's acceptance and Buffy's reassurance is repellent to Faith because it's a sign that nothing's going to be the same again. And Faith is going to have to deal with the consequences. Consequences. We need a little bell every time we right? say Well, it's it. like, I feel like this is a new version of lies, right? It's like every time something happens, I'm going to be like, consequences. Uh, yeah, so... After this, Faith wants to leave. She's like, you know what? You know, who cares about this guy? Whatever. And Buffy is a detective. So she's like looking through his stuff. She's like, I think he was trying to come to... She thinks that he was trying to come talk to them. And she wants to know why. And she notices that all the files in his file cabinet are... They're all missing. And I was like, Buffy, learn from season two and look between the file cabinet and the wall. Yeah, good point. (laughs) There's probably a floppy disk in there with all the stuff. And Faith says, um, it doesn't prove anything that his stuff is missing. And Buffy says, except that somebody didn't want us to prove anything. So as they're exiting into the hallway, they hear noises coming from another room. So they go back in. And that's when they hear the mayor and Mr. Trick talking to each other as they're leaving his office. And Buffy knows who Mr. Trick is. I can't remember if Faith remembers him or not from Faith, Hope, and Trick. But... The point is, is that Buffy's met Mr. Trick before she would recognize who he is. And just hearing their conversation as they're, but as later Faith and Buffy are walking down the street and Faith is saying like, who knew the mayor is a black hat? Like who knew he was a bad guy? And Buffy's taking that in and she's like, yeah, like I'm surprised. Like I did not get the bad guy vibe off of him. And Faith is saying that it doesn't matter what kind of vibe you get off them because nine times out of 10, the face they're showing you is not the real one. And Buffy just takes this moment to like turn on her. And she's like, you know a lot about that. I was like, what? And Faith, Faith says, she's like, what is that supposed to mean? And Buffy like low key attacks Faith here. And I get it. I get Buffy's under a lot of pressure here. Buffy wants to do the right Mm -hmm. thing. Buffy is trying to do the thing that they should be doing. And she needs to get Faith there with her. But I just think she approaches this conversation too hot, like too, too, with too much Xander energy. <laughs> Ooh, I like, I like this new uh, term. Well, just, I just like, yeah. you know, too much, too much. And she says to Faith, less than 24 hours ago, you killed a man. And now it's all zippity doo da, zippity day. She didn't sing it, but I'm going to sing it. Yes. Let's sing the racist song. 
<laughs> the most racist song, one of them in Disney's repertoire. Uh, but she says, it's, it's not your real face. And I know it. And I know what you're feeling because I'm feeling it too. And Face is like, well, what do you feel? And she says, I'm like dirty, like something sick creeped inside you and you can't get it out. And you're hoping that it was just one big nightmare, but it wasn't. And Faith just interrupts her and says, is there going to be an intermission? <laughs> in this. And Buffy just says, I want to talk to Giles. And Faith says, no, we are not bringing anybody else into this. You got to keep your head, B. This is all going to blow over in a few days. And then Faith says, if it doesn't, there's a freighter leaving the docks at least twice a day. It ain't fancy, but it gets you gone. And Buffy says, that's it? You just live with it? You see the dead guy in your head for the rest of your life? And I was like, hello? Yeah, doesn't everybody? Duh, Buffy. (laughs) But I was like, hello, Buffy, this is this is a coping mechanism. It's so clear that Faith is trying to run away instead of cope. And maybe Buffy's just too far into it to recognize this or she's too, I don't know what she is. I think she's just being a little bit too righteous right now. Like her self-righteousness in this situation, it's just too strong. But that's all Buffy is. Yeah. She's just three self-righteousness things in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like th- this has been... The defining characteristic from Buffy and Faith is Buffy is the goody two-shoes good girl, the blonde. Faith is the dark one. And the brunette. You know, dark in, in her, yeah, the brunette and her complexion. And just like she's the, the, the one who, as you were saying earlier, cannot measure up to Buffy. So I agree with your take on how Buffy's behaving. But I think it is in character for Buffy in the way the writers have portrayed her, right? And this is something that's interesting to me. I was thinking about this as I was watching the episode is I feel like this is one of the ways in which Buffy mellows out as we get through the series. And then she like boomerangs back hard in season seven. And I'm just (laughs) going to say that like, just like, you know, obviously I can't go into more details, people, but for anybody else who's watched the whole series, it's right. Like, think about that. Think about Buffy now, how she changes as she gets a bit older and then, like, season seven is like, yep, I'm back to being the self-righteous one. And I'm just like, okay, Buffy. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not you. I mean, I think it's showing actually a lot of character development for Buffy because we, like I said, this is a very comparable episode to Revelations where she was under fire for lying and keeping secrets and not doing the right thing. And it was Xander and the Scoobies that were coming down on her hard in her intervention. So that's why mm-hmm. I'm saying, like, there's a lot of Xander vibes i'm getting from her here where you know is that right you know what i mean like you're just gonna like forget about it run away and um i just feel bad for faith and i think that's why this is a really great scene because we know where both of them are coming from we know where faith is being callous and we know where buffy's being pushy i mean that's why this these characters work so well together so faith is saying i'm sorry about the guy i really am but it happens Anyways, how many people do you think we've saved by now? Didn't you stop the world from ending? In my books, that puts you and me in the plus column. And Buffy says, we help people doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want. And Faye says, well, why not? The guy off was no Gandhi. We just saw he was mixed up in dirty dealings. And Buffy's like, maybe, maybe. But what if he was coming to us for help? And Faye says, well, what if he was? You're not seeing the big picture, B. Something made us different. We're warriors. We're built to kill. And Buffy says, demons. We're built to kill demons. But it does not mean that we get to pass judgment on people like we're better than everyone else. And I was like, ooh, but Buffy, you're kind of doing that right now. You're kind of judging her right now. (laughs) And and it's interesting that her expression, like she's starting to tear up. Yeah. 
And, and Sarah Michelle Gellar, I don't know. I find that it really depends who she's in the scene with. But in this scene, I'm just like, oh, I'm not not feeling these tears, Buffy. Buffy, I just, yeah, I mean, it could be this, the acting choices of Sarah Michelle Gellar here, right? Like you're trying to look really sympathetic, but you're not the victim here, Buffy. I don't, I don't think a tiny blonde girl is the right person to be telling me this. Yeah, and to say, like, we don't get to pass judgment, but you're judging Faith. You're judging Faith on how she is reacting to her having taken a life that she didn't mean to take. So we need a little bit more compassion from you, Buffy. And Faith says, we are better. And Buffy is shook by that comment. And Faith says, that's right, better. (laughs) And she's like, people need us to survive. In the balance, nobody's going to cry over some random bystander that got caught in the crossfire. And Buffy says, I am. And Faith says, that's your loss and walks away. And (laughs) first of all, that random bystander's name was Alan Finch. (laughs) But secondly, I... I agree with Faith. <laughs> I know like at the beginning of the last In episode. In what way? If, it's true. Shit happens, okay? They are saving the world every day. They are fighting monsters and demons and, and terrible, terrible so evils. So she should get a pass she on sh- killing somebody? No, but they shouldn't be so hard on her for it. I think she it was an accident and it happens. And right, I think that but- she is okay to bring that up and say, you know what? I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I can't take it but back, but I'm doing my saying. best. Mm. That, that's not what she's saying. She's taking refuge in a much larger, wider scope argument because she's trying to push Buffy away. She's deliberately being extreme, right? Mm-hmm. Faith is not saying, oh, it was an accident and I feel terrible about it. And yeah, I'm going to tell Giles and Wesley what happened. And, you know, we're going to figure this. That's not what Faith, Faith is saying. I'm the slayer. And I get to kill whoever I want to kill. She's retroactively justifying killing Alan as if it were intentional, you know, and, and that's where, like, I can't agree with Faith on that. I, I don't think Faith believes this. I think she's taking refuge in that extreme position because she knows it's going to drive Buffy away. And that is her goal, right? Her goal is to push away anybody who could possibly sympathize with her because Faith, deep down, believes she's dirty and doesn't deserve to be redeemed. Yeah. And I think that's interesting too that you said that word because Buffy brought that up earlier. I feel dirty for being part of this situation and for being part of some guy's murder. Faith has been Remember, feeling Faith that way. Couldn't save her first watcher. Yeah. And Faith has been feeling dirty this I whole time. I think she's still carrying that trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. So it's it, it's just funny that this is how Buffy deals with her first little taste of being a bad girl and dirty. And Faith has been living this life the whole year. So it, it's fascinating. Yeah. And like, again, I, I, when I say I agree, it's like what you just said, that larger, universal, bigger conversation around what the Slayer is in our world. But you're right. Like she is obviously shunting her responsibility to the side and just being like, oh, you, you know, it happens, shit happens. But I get what I'm picking up what Faith is putting down here. And I think this conversation obviously is going to continue with the two of them. But like, ooh, ooh, this is a good back and forth. What Faith really needs is for a slayer, more slayers to exist in the world, ones that have had something like this happen to them and share that experience together. (laughs) It would make more sense to force the slayers to keep a slayer diary, just like the watcher keeps a watcher's diary. Then they could go back and read what other slayers went through 
and how they dealt with it and what it put them through. That would have been really helpful for Faith right about now. God! The Watcher's <sighs> Council. So Buffy gets home and there's an officer there waiting with Joyce. It's the same guy from previous episodes like Ted, right? I think he grew a mustache and I'm not into it, but... It's, mm. This is the same detective. He's like and trying something new. I feel new. <laughs> like Buffy's just on his list now, right? Like any time something happens, he's like, okay, I'm going to go talk to the Summers girl again. <laughs> Do you ever think maybe he's actually there because he's been scoping out Joyce? <laughs> he's been Ooh. on to Joyce's art gallery, black I mean, market yeah, maybe deals. Joyce has some kind of like feminine mystique going that he's like, yeah. So after I take your daughter around to the station, you want to go get a cup of coffee? Yeah, is that Ted guy still in the picture or what? <laughs> <laughs> Ted's dead, dude. You, uh, Ted's you were questioning Buffy about <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think he thinks Buffy's in a girl gang? I absolutely do. That's, he thinks that they're the Slayers. They're in a girl gang called the Slayers. Oh, yeah, I forgot about yeah. that with the cops. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, so they know. This is they're all coming to together. The Zeppo. Like... Yeah, this is why... They're there. They're like, we got to go talk to the Slayers. So he's interrogating her. And this is an interesting scene because while he's talking to Buffy, it shoots. I don't know if it's like after Buffy or before, but he's also well, it doesn't asking. doesn't matter, right? It really but doesn't yeah, matter. He's trying yeah. to catch them in a lie and they've clearly got their stories almost straight. Yeah, there's a little bit of differing, but like, that's just how it goes. He's like, you know, like, where were you last night? They both say Fates. They both said that they are watching TV. But Buffy says they are watching infomercials and Faith says they are watching an old movie. And he's basically he's basically saying that somebody stabbed this guy through the heart and the weapon was wood. Does that mean anything to you? And Faith says whoever did it wasn't hip to the Bronze Age. And I was like, why would Faith know this kind of history? She didn't even know what Sparta was. <laughs> She watches a lot of TV in her motel room, That's right? True. So, um, I just want to point out an, an interesting filmography choice here, which is when they're cutting between Buffy or Faith and the detective, the camera is angled downwards at Buffy and Faith, and it angles upwards at the detective. So it's really giving you this sensation of the detective is the one who has power in this scene and he's looking down on these vulnerable girls, you know, and mm. that's kind of like reversing what we just heard in the previous scene about how the Slayers have all the power. Mm, interesting. Is that why you always like to stand when we're recording? Because it feels like you have power <laughs> over me. <laughs> well, you're the one standing tonight. Yes, because so. I have all the power. <laughs> I'm drunk with it. Um, yeah, so so anyway, the, the police officer is just like, you know, says he's going to go. But he tells them, you know, contact me if you remember anything. And he also gives Buffy, um, if you're trying to protect someone, it's better for everyone if you just come clean. So as he's leaving Faith, Angel is watching this whole conversation goes down. Angel is, once again, he's put in that investigation well, mind we, we to get know like, all from, these little puzzle pieces. Right, and we know from season one, like Angel's really good at watching people. You know what? We haven't seen him lurk in quite a while. And here he is, back to his old tricks. I love well, it. Well, yeah, he, he had to, you know... Re, you know, uh, rejuvenate his lurking muscles after his time in hell, right? Like yeah. he wasn't back up to full strength, so he could fight. But it takes him a little longer to get back to full lurking strength. Don't you love that when you find a new hobby, which was charcuterie board building, Instagramming, and then he's like, you know what? Let's go back to basics. 
<laughs> I miss my old lurking days, man. God, name a better character in this show than Angel. You can't, you can't do it. Cordelia. Cord- yeah. Oh yes, Cordelia. Mm, Ozzy. <laughs> I got you. I just really enjoy that Angel's lurking again. But again, I love when people on TikTok come for Angel and they're like, "Oh, he's a stalker." And my reply lately has just been, "Like, vampire's gonna lurk." Like that's like, like they're they're just right. They're and also, like, of all the stalkers in all the history of TV, Angel is, like, the most benign. <laughs> right? Like, Edward Cullen is a more dangerous stalker than Angel. Right? I was like, I, you guys, vampires, that's just what they do, okay? They lurk outside <laughs> your windows. That's how it is. Um, Willow's in her room, and the bay doors are back. Remember Casey brought up these bay doors in a recent hot right? steak? So there they are, um, and Buffy's tap, tap, tapping away, and... Willow opens them and Buffy says she needs to talk to her and Willow says good because I've been letting things fester and I don't like it I want to be fester free that's also great development for Willow because she learned the hard way not to hold shit in this season right she's like I'm gonna be out and Mm -hmm. just say it Willow starts on her tangent like it's another Willow when Willow just unleashes sometimes Um, And she's saying that uh, she completely understands why Buffy and Faith have been doing the bonding thing. You work together and you should get along. And Buffy's like, well, it's more complicated than that. And Willow says, well, that's what's ticking me off. (laughs) The Slayer's only attitude. I mean, since when wouldn't I understand? You can talk to me about everything. All of a sudden, I'm not cool enough for you because I can't kill things with my bare hands. I mean, have you ever tried, Willow? Maybe you could. You don't know. Willow, don't sell yourself so short. And um, Buffy bursts into tears. Buffy finally cries and lets it out. And Willow is so cute because she goes to hug her and she thinks that she's the reason (laughs) that Buffy's crying. And she's like, don't cry. I'm sorry. I was too hard on you. Sometimes I unleash. I don't know my own strength. It's bad. I'm bad. It's like when she confronted Oz about the werewolf thing. And she's like, no, you listen. Like She just comes on really strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just lets it come out in outbursts. And Buffy says that I'm in trouble. And then the next scene is them sitting on her bed. And um, clearly Buffy has told Willow the whole story. And she's saying that every, uh, the, she's saying that Faith is acting like she doesn't even care. And she, the way she talks, it's like she didn't make a mistake. And Willow says, asks if Faith is in shock. And Buffy says, I don't know, but I think the detective knows I'm lying. No shit. Yeah, really? And Willow's, I'm like, at the beginning of the se- series in se- season one, Buffy lied a lot, and I thought she was pretty good at it. But then she steadily got worse and worse and worse <laughs> to the point where she's the worst liar in the well, group. But also, like, as much as much as Snyder said the cops in this town are really dumb, like, you know, yes. But this detective is on to Buffy. This is not the first time that something weird has happened around Buffy Summers. And he's questioning Faith, and I bet Faith has a hundred red flags on her file. <laughs> you know, and the cop might not be able to prove anything but buffy's story just sounds so flimsy and what i'm wondering this is what i think this episode was missing is we needed a scene between buffy and joyce after the detective left where buffy tells her mom something because i'm very curious since buffy has obviously left the house this same evening to go talk to willow what went down after after that detective left Mm -hmm. did buffy tell her mom the truth and be like yeah this was a slayer thing and is that why buffy's allowed to go see willow now or 
did she lie to her mom and try to placate her mom? Lies. Or was her mom like, no, like, go to your room, and then Buffy had to sneak out, right? Like, it's very unclear to me in this episode where Joyce stands in all of this, and I think that's a shame. Because yeah, I agree with you. part of this season has been Joyce being aware of Buffy's actions as the Slayer and trying to figure out how to support Buffy through that. Well, now you're seeing your daughter go through this really, really difficult moment. But you, does she even know? Yeah. And like, why couldn't Joyce have been part of this conversation? Maybe she called Will over to her house and then they all are part of it, right? I think there's two things that could have possibly happened right before Buffy came to Willow's. One is an exactly a repeat of their conversation at the end of Becoming Part 2, <laughs> where they have a fight and she's like, if you leave this house... <laughs> They never come back, and Buffy shoves her and leaves. So there's that's the oh, one. So you dramatic. think Buffy went to Willow's to be like, "Can I move in with you?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they got <laughs> sidetracked with the murder. Um, the other option is only that Buffy made Joyce some waffles. They talked it over, <laughs> and they talked it over over some nice waffles and whipped cream. And then Buffy came to Willow's house. There's only the two. Buffy made sure to made uh, Joyce's waffles edibles. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, they they threw away that diet and they had some waffles. Is that what Joyce meant when she said that they don't have calories unless she makes them for Buffy? Is that because oh, she's really yeah. spiking the waffles? Use the secret ingredient, Buffy. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, oh my, we've sidetracked ourselves. But whatever uh, happened, it it was epic, no doubt. And Willow says you have to go to Giles. You have to go talk to Giles. He'll know what to do. Go talk to Daddy. Go talk to Dad. But here's the thing. We need to talk a little bit about Willow here because it is unclear if they resolve Willow's issues during this conversation because Willow is the one that said what she needed to say first, right? She's like, you've been ditching me. It hurts my feelings. So I like to believe they talked about that a little bit <laughs> to get over it or otherwise well, they just ignored it altogether you know no no i i think they did resolve it i because i was gonna jump in and and call back to dead man's party mm-hmm. right and like i feel like they've actually just resolved in this scene all of that tension from dead man's party oh really lingering tension yes, okay because buffy is finally trusting willow mm. for buffy to tell willow this secret like this is a damning secret right Buffy's like I am an accessory to manslaughter here and and you know for her to trust Willow with that that's a big deal and I think it goes a long way towards making up for the stuff from Dead Man's Party for not telling Willow about Angel right yeah for ditching Willow because mm-hmm. that's all that Willow wants this is all that Willow has ever wanted since season one she wants Buffy's ear and she wants to hear Buffy's life and secrets and be the confidant, right? Yeah. Willow loves secrets. Well, <laughs> Willow loves secrets so much. But also, I think, yeah, the fact that Willow wants to be included as being an outcast, yeah. nerdy loser her whole life. Like, just include me. Just just let me hear it. And um, I will say, because you and I were at odds with how we were taking Willow's dump on Buffy in Dead Man's Party when, in Buffy's room when she was freaking out at her. And we both had different stances on that. But I, I think this is a perfectly good example of Willow choosing the right time to stick up for herself and to, well, to bring up with Buffy, you know? I don't know if it's the right time. It's 
because you know, the whole making Buffy cry thing. It's a hilarious time. Yeah. And Willow didn't know that Buffy had a an existential crisis going no, on. So. No, no, no. But she saw Buffy at her window. And instead of seeing Buffy packing in a panic, that's when she decides to dump <laughs> on her. In this case, she's like, oh, well, you came to me to talk about our friendship, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So I think so. Yeah. So th- th- this episode is doing such a good job of showing us the development over the season. Right. And I haven't realized that till you and I talked it out just now. Um, there it is. Go look at your smug little face. <laughs> Love it. Um, we cut to Buffy, who is in the library. What the hell time is it? What time is it at night? Where It's got to be like at least 11 p.m. At which least. My question is, why is Giles there? Like, did Faith call Giles and be like, come to the library? Or is Giles just staying up late at the library? Like, it's got to be really late. I, well, I, there's a reason they're at the library, which we'll reveal at the end of this scene. But more importantly, do you ever think that maybe Giles is just at the library because he's sad to be at home because Jenny oh, damn. was murdered? And- <laughs> That's dark, but I, I think you're right. Ooh, Why hasn't Giles moved? <laughs> It'd be so funny. How if- can he sleep in that bed? He, he wouldn't know to do it because it was in the wish in an alternate reality, but like he just conjures up Anya for fun. <laughs> well, she's always there. It's That's a fun way lives. to spend your... He just lives in her corner, just talking to Anya in the corner. Okay, you got to do the voice. You got to give the, the fans what they want. <laughs> you again. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, you're all wel- you're welcome, everybody. You're welcome. There um, it is. Yeah, so we are in the library and... Buffy's on her way to confess to Daddy Giles, which is what she should have done at first because Daddy Giles is going to make it all right. Dad. Daddy. But Giles comes out of his office and this is a classic trope, right? Of the the person starts talking right away and doesn't even say hi and doesn't even like give the other person time to be like, so by the way, um, (laughs) and Buffy's like, I don't really know how to say this. So I'm just going to say it. And I know I've kept things from you before. She's obviously, you know, referencing the whole angel debacle mm. um and before buffy can can like confess to what's going on that's when faith walks out of giles's office and buffy now is like well i don't want to you know betray faith in front of her so <laughs> buffy kind of loses her nerve at this point i think and she's like um i've been blowing off my classes in the sense of not attending and faith is like uh i told him it's okay it's okay and she's like, I had to. He had to know what you did. <gasps> so Buffy's like, what I did? Lies. This gets me every time I watch this episode. This is, there's a couple of really good twists in this episode. This is one of them. Yeah. And I, I think, I suspect for anybody who's watching this episode for the first time, right? That is like a record scratch moment of like, what the fuck just happened here? Bitch, you said what? Yeah. And I knew it was coming. But it hits me with the same force every single time. Faith trying to pin this on Buffy, like so underhanded. Um, and and you have to, you know, for a moment you're like, is, is Giles falling for this? Like, you know, because we've seen the trust between Giles and Buffy get eroded a couple of times so far in this series. So Buffy's like, you know, now like Buffy's emotions turn on a dime. And she's like, no, Giles that's not what happened and Giles is not having any of it and he is just so incredibly like you can hear it in his voice he's like so disappointed in her and he says I don't want to hear it Buffy I don't want to hear anymore lies (laughs) right lies Um, which is fair um 
So Buffy's freaking out at Faith, and Giles is like, get in my office. <laughs> and then he's like, Faith, I'll talk to you in the morning. So he's dismissing Faith and sending Buffy into his office. Um, so Faith, Faith, you know, Faith is gone for now. And so Buffy's like, Giles, like, come on, you have to know, like, the murder. And, and Giles is like, yeah, I know it was Faith. Come on, Buffy. Have a little more faith in me. Like, <laughs> And this is what I love. Again, it's... Like, yes, obviously Giles would see through Faith. You and Giles are like this. You know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm crossing my yeah, fingers. Her fingers are close together. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like, honestly, like, Giles is not going to believe Faith over you. And the fact that you believed even for a moment his little performance there is just a testament to his acting skills. <laughs> like, we just saw Giles betray Buffy and Helpless, mm-hmm. right? But clearly, like, he's there for her now in this episode. Even when she thought he wasn't. Giles has Buffy's back. Giles says he's sorry for making her worry, but he had to let Faith think that he's on Faith's side. So who is this sex god? (laughs) Because like a man who looks like Giles and dresses like Giles apologizes is sensitive and observant. And he believes in and has the trust of our hero Buffy is just like chef's kiss. This is a great little moment for them. And uh, Giles says he doesn't know how long or how far Faith is going to keep up the charade. And Buffy says, try far, like like all the way. <laughs> and Buffy says, it's not all Faith's fault. We both thought it was a vampire. And Giles is saying something to Buffy that I wonder if he said the same thing to Faith. If he didn't, he definitely should have, where he says, this is not the first time that this has happened. The Slayer is on the front line of ni- of a nightly war, and it's tragic, but accidents have happened. And the council investigates. They give out punishment if punishment is due, but he doesn't have a plan to involve them. But the point is... Yeah, I wonder why. Is it because he got fired? Because <laughs> he you're fired <laughs> in Helpless. Um, but basically, he's, he's <sighs> saying that Faith is unstable. And the last thing she needs is the Watcher's Council involved. And she's just utterly unable to accept responsibility. Giles gives a speech and Buffy just summarizes it by saying she's freaking. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, that's typical. That's a Buffyism, right? Like, uh, sorry, this is a total tangent. But I just realized the perfect job for Anya would be to fire people. Like her job should be to go around Ooh, firing people. Like up in the air. Yeah. Can you imagine her saying that in her demon voice? <laughs> oh my God, you're fired. <laughs> right? Like, and I think Anya would get a kick out of that because it's kind of vengeance, right? Like if a person deserves it. Ooh, that's such a great career job for Anya for sure. Uh, <laughs> hopefully we see her again soon. But yeah, Giles just calls it out. He says, face in denial. All right. So there's no help for her until she admits what happened. Giles is so wise. Can we pause for a moment? And just reflect and bask in how wise Giles is. That line hit me um, because I have def- I have people in my life that I love that are in that kind of denial right now. You know, um, in turn, like they haven't murdered anybody. Yeah, like, you know, really? But um, <laughs> you know, I ha- I have people in my life who are dealing with things like substance use and, and addiction and stuff, and you want to help them, but you can't. There, there is nothing you can do because until they are ready to choose to admit and make that first step, you're, you're basically just kind of talking to a wall at that point. 
and it's painful. It's painful for everybody. Like obviously the person who, who's in the grips of that is suffering, but it's painful for everybody who loves them because you want to do something and you can't. And that's what we're seeing here, mm-hmm. right? Is we're seeing faith is just so deep in the darkness that everybody wants to help her. And, and this is why I can empathize with Buffy here because I agree with you. Buffy is very overbearing in this episode, but she's also like a young person who's never really had to deal with this before. So of course she's going to do it clumsily. She's trying to help Faith, but she doesn't understand what this is all like. And here we have Giles, who's much older, more experienced. You know, I think as Ripper, he's probably had to deal with this this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and he's speaking truth. Well, Giles was in denial for killing off his friend during all those demon orgies uh, for a very long time. Uh, So Giles knows exactly what it is to hide those kind of secrets, right? (laughs) So, ooh, the consequences of this episode. Consequences. Consequences. So... Giles says all the Scoobies, you know, we should help. We can meet tomorrow and talk about it. But um, in the meantime, this is extremely delicate and we don't want to scare her off. If we scare her off now, we may lose her forever. But who is listening? Who's dropping eaves at the door? It's Wesley. So this is why it's in the library. The scene is in the library. It's so that Wesley could overhear it. (laughs) Yeah, right. But why is Giles there? Um, and also, so Wesley, did they teach you how to eavesdrop in the watcher school? Like, <laughs> don't you know how rude that is? Super rude. And also, you know what else is rude? Wesley snitching because the next scene is him calling the watchers council, asking for Quentin Travers, who is the guy who fired Giles previously. And first of all, Wesley snitches get stitches. But secondly, he there's a joke in the scene that falls very flat to me. And it's when he's like the code word. What's the code word? The code word's monkey. And then he has to like spell it out. And then he's like, just put him on the phone. And I was like, that's a, is that that's, a reference or something? I, I don't know. I thought it was a stupid joke. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was just kind of a sign of how incredibly bureaucratic the council is. But I'm with you on the snitches getting stitches thing. Like, it's really interesting to me how the show is setting Wesley up as this kind of antagonistic force within the Scoobies. Because mm-hmm. he's meant to be a good guy, but he's standing in their way. To be fair, none of them have really kind of brought them under his wing. And Giles is under Giles is doing exactly what he was told not to do when he got fired, <laughs> which is undermining the new watcher. Yep. And I'm I'm all for that. Um, you know, but yeah, uh, Wesley, don't you have something British to be doing right now? It's because Wesley sucks. Like he just he just sucks and they don't want him part of the plan. So Ooh, it's intervention time. When has this ever worked out for the Scooby gang? But Willow, Buffy, Xander, and Giles are in an empty classroom because they're avoiding Wesley. So they're not in the library. I thought they were like in the lunchroom because like all the tables are, sorry, all the chairs are kind of up on the table. I hope they weren't in the lunchroom. That seems really open. (laughs) Right? Like that's what I thought when I watched the scene. I'm like, it's weird how they're all just kind of gathered here after hours. Yeah, I figured it was an empty classroom, but Willow is suggesting intervention. (laughs) And Buffy is saying, well, you know, at mine, (laughs) at my intervention, Xander and I almost came to blows. And Xander... Yeah, because Willow was the only one doing the I statement. So of course she's going to suggest it again, but it didn't work. (laughs) I feel, I'm concerned. (laughs) And um, Giles says that Faith is too defensive for that kind of confrontation. Giles, you're so right. 
mm, you're so good in this episode. And um, she says that she would respond better to one to a one-on-one approach. And then Xander, God knows why, but Xander says he can do the one-on-one with her. And she must listen to me because we have a connection. And I interjected my thoughts because I was like, Xander, what connection? Okay, it's very presumptuous of you to think that you have any connection with Faith. I know you guys had sex. I know that. But you heard it from her own lips. After she slays, she gets horny. So, ooh, so he's, he's like putting himself in the middle here. And everyone is confused. Everyone's like, why do you think that you have a connection with her? And Giles even says, Xander, of all of us, you're the one person that Faith has had the least contact with. I mean, but that's not true. That part's not true. I get why he has to say that in this scene. Mm-hmm. That's not true, though, because remember, there was the time when Faith and Xander teamed up to try to kill Angel. Oh, yep. <laughs> yep, the good times. <laughs> that didn't annoy us. Sorry, I just, I just had to remind you of that, Steph, because I, I know that makes you love Xander even more. Ooh, I know. And he had like a couple episodes there where we're like, okay, Xander, okay. And then like this brought it all back. It all screaming back, the intervention, the self-righteousness, and just him having to interject himself in this, making himself more important than he is. Oh, this is, trust me, I have some things to say in a moment. Um, So what's Xander's rebuttal to to Giles' comments? Well, Xander says that we've been hanging out a a little bit recently and she seemed very responsive. And Willow picks up on that immediately and her face drops. Um, No, the acting. The acting in this scene. Because this is another one of those those twists, right? Yeah. Um, It's such a good moment. And because it's Willow first. Oh, yeah. Willow is the first one of the three of them to understand what Xander's getting Willow's always the first. Yeah, because Willow's smart. And she's so connected to Xander, right? It's that betrayal. And we're going to get to that afterwards. Um, and then, right, Buffy's like, when you hung out? <laughs> like, what? And Xander says, yeah, in the Zeppo. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he didn't say that. He said when she was fighting, the, you know, the elves, the apocalypse elf. And uh, he helped her and he gave her a ride home. And Buffy's like pressing him. She's like, well, you guys talked? And Xander's like, not extensively, no. So Buffy's like, then why oh and then jazz is like oh and they all look at willow yeah (laughs) and willow goes oh i don't need to say oh i got it before they slept together okay so this is so fucking good Mm. so the first reason i like this is because you know it brings me back to my high school days and when you're that age right having those frank conversations about sexual experiences in this kind of like bemused way of like did this actually happen? Like, did this happen to me? Did this happen to you? Right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and poor baby Ace Cara, of course, was very innocent back then <laughs> and um, didn't really understand what a lot of people were talking about. So I feel like I would be the Giles in this situation and get it last. Right. Um, but I love this because I also feel like, you know, Willow obviously gets it first and then Buffy gets it pretty much right away after that because they're teenage girls. They're on the flip side of this, right? And and they know how Xander, as a horny teenage boy, thinks. So, you know, I, I'm not surprised that it takes Giles a, a moment longer to get it because Giles would not want to think about any of these people having sex, unlike Wesley. Mm. <laughs> and it's just it, this is just such a wonderful high school moment for me. Yeah. And they're all like in stunned silence for a second. And then Giles wants to change the subject, right? He's just like, all right, moving on. 
Yes, because that is what a guy in his 40s or 50s should do when teens start talking about sex around him. Oh, yeah. He's like, the only sex in this school is, was between me and Jenny in this very classroom. Oh, <laughs> so Buffy says, I know what you mean. I know you mean well, Xander. I like, But I don't see Faith opening up to you. She doesn't talk. She doesn't take the guys that she has a connection with very seriously. They're, they're kind of a big joke to her. No offense. <laughs> Buffy, I mean, that's Xander's good. a joke to everybody else. Why not Faith? I love that she said that to him. And he takes offense to it, obviously. But like, you have to hear it, Xander, because it's true. And Faith told you this. Buffy's telling you it now. Everyone knows it but you, right? That that, that was just a one-time thing for Faith. and meant nothing. And Giles, you know, she's like, well, you could help us research the mayor and Mr. Trick. And he asks Willow to access the mayor's files. And Willow is in deep despair inside her, inside her head. But she comes out of it and she says she'll try. And um, Buffy asks what they're going to do about Faith. And Giles says, I, like, I really don't know. I need time. And Buffy says, I need, um, she needs help now. I owe her that. So sad pop music starts playing. So we know someone's heart's breaking. So, sorry, I just want to pause for a moment. Xander is just so incredibly dumb. (laughs) Pause, pause, pause. Like, why of all moments would you choose this moment to reveal that you had sex with Faith? I think he was holding it in. The only reason he's doing this is because he can't keep it contained anymore. Yeah, I think he was holding it in. Right? I think he just, he couldn't wait to say it. It's been weeks too, right? So he's just like, finally, we're talking about faith in a, in a way in which I could express that we connected to each other, you know, physically. But like, Xander, you are you got it all wrong here. And it was the wrong time to bring it up. And even more wrong. So bad. Even more wrong is now that this like sad pop music starts to play. And yeah. it's, a, it's a song about disappointment. And we cut to Willow bawling her eyes out in the bathroom. What? I know the it's fuck? the most teenage angsty uh moment, dare I say, because I've never watched that TV show, but I know you have. It feels like Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Dawson's Creek did this better though. Dawson's Creek didn't just like drop this in like this. Like all of a sudden there's like pop music in a show that rarely shows music unless you're at the bronze listening to house music. Uh so this annoys me very much. And I know I'm not the only one because, okay, I will give Willow space in that sometimes when you have a long held on to crush or feelings for somebody, as we know she did for Xander, sure, it could hurt. It could hurt that this guy had a very special connection, (laughs) had sex with somebody who you don't like and who's kind of taken over your best friend too. That hurts. I understand. But her crying like this in the bathroom annoys me because it cheapens the connection that she's been building with Oz ever since she cheated mm-hmm. on Oz with Xander, a, like not even like six episodes ago, Oz ch- decided to take her back and then they were going to work together. She was going to, my body's your for you, Oz. And like, we're going to build this together. Xander's nothing to me to have her bawling her eyes out at this moment, it's just really, it really cheapens that development between those two characters. I, I just don't like okay. it. I think it came way too late. I get what you're saying. I agree that this scene is incongruous and I don't like it. I think what the writers were trying to do is have Willow mourn the the lack of closeness between her and Xander. Because since their weird cheating thing... Um, 
there's something's lost between them because they used to be best friends. They've been best friends their whole lives, right? And it's just this past year that that kind of changed into something weird and creepy and gross. And now it's awkward. I think she thought that if she wasn't going to be Xander's first, then at least she would know about it right away. Mm. And he's been keeping this from her. He didn't tell her right away. Like, if the world were the way it should be, Xander should have run up to Willow like an hour after he had sex with Faith and being like, Willow, guess what? Guess what? I did it. I did it, Willow. Mm-hmm. Like like a happy puppy, right? And Willow would be like, good boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's Willow. It's Willow realizing, right? Because that was what was on her face in that moment. It was this realization that like, she has kind of lost that connection to Xander. Mm. But I agree with you that the scene does not actually portray that very well. Well, I think, yeah, there's a lot of ways to interpret that. And um, I, I actually really like that you said that because we already talked in this episode about how Willow, like what she wants is to be included and what she wants is to be in the know because that's yeah. what she defines as her friendships, right? Like what you tell, if you tell me a secret, then I mean a lot to you. Right? And that's what she wants. The connection. It bothers me that Xander doesn't come to Willow after this scene. Right? Yes. You know, Giles wants to go off and do his research and pretend he just didn't have this conversation. (laughs) Um, And Buffy wants to go figure out how to save Faith's soul. And, you know, like, Xander should have hung back and be like, hey, Will, are you okay? Like, I can anticipate that my revelation of my sexual intercourse with Faith has perhaps caused some emotional turmoil within you, right? Like, that would be the emotionally intelligent thing to do as a friend. Yes. And they were so close. And Xander should know that he's hurting Willow again. Like, Xander, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because we were so easy on you last episode. Xander, you're fucking trash. Yeah, I, I agree with this. And um, I'm sorry, but I, and I know I'm not the only Steph that has a problem with this. I'm going to bring up a hot steak right now from um, from Steph, <laughs> who wrote in to say... Oh, I thought this was your hot steak. No, my, I wrote off in my own note, <laughs> Steph's hot steak, not Kara's. <laughs> um, no, no, no. But Steph wrote in and said, Willow crying in the bathroom after finding out that Xander and Faith slept together is so ridiculous. Willow had her time with Xander and they decided to end it after their partners found out. Why are we retre- retreading that ground? Willow chose to be with Oz over Xander at this point. I don't understand why we were supposed to sympathize with her in this moment or find it anything other than intolerable. So I'm with you. That's some uh, Steph synchronicity going on there. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps it was my own hot steak and I emailed us. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, that's that's what we're saying here. So so Xander, you're being trash, but also it's kind of trash writing for Willow at this point because I just think her and Oz have come too far for her to be this upset at this moment for what happened between Faith and Xander. It's pure jealousy. It's her feeling bad for herself. And again, I agree with you, Kara. I think Willow, it, it is about the connection with Xander and perhaps that it's no longer what it used to be because of their affair. But it doesn't come off that way. It comes off that they had yeah. sex and she's upset that it wasn't her. And that's <sighs> that's taken us all the way back to season two, Willow and Xander. So um, we just discussed how Xander should have been talking to Willow, right? Um, but at least he stays at the library and doesn't do anything incredibly stupid instead, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, this is Xander here. So what does Xander do? He cuts straight to Faith's motel room and what is faith doing when we get there she's watching tv on her bed but her boots are on like a psycho killer (laughs) what a fucking psychopath her boots are just on the bed weird um 
Xander's at the door. Uh, she, he says, you know, can I come in? I just want to talk. I promise. She says something here. It's so weird. She's like, like you could make something happen if I didn't want it to. And Xander says, yeah, you got me there. Pretty much not going to try and take you under any circumstances. And this is like a rapey joke. I was like, so, so what? If you could, you would. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what in the world? I mean, I think he's he's just acknowledging his powerlessness, right? Yes. But this is Faith. Like, she is so defensive. Yes, yes. And she says she gives him five minutes. So he comes in and he's basically saying, I heard what happened. Well, he says he doesn't need five minutes, right? And then he's like, to talk. <laughs> I, I, it's going to take you... <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like getting flustered because he, he's correcting himself because, of course, you know, other things that he's, he could be doing with Faith could take longer than that. And this is how we know that the first time he did it with Faith, it did not take five minutes. Xander strikes me as a three three pumps and done kind of guy. <laughs> I don't want to think about it, Stephanie. I'm sorry. I'm not going to well, pull my mind the, This that. is what the show was feeding us, okay? So... Xander says he heard what happened and, he, and that he thought she might need a friend. And Faith says, go talk to Buffy. She's the one who killed a guy. And Xander says, oh, I heard that version. And Faith says, version? And I was like, God damn it, right? Xander. God right? damn Xander it. Is ruining everything in this Fucking episode. Fucking hell. Fucking hell, Xander. What are you, what are you doing here? Get that out. was our only advantage, and you're screwing us over. God, that was the only thing they had over her was that she thought Giles was on her side. Oh, my fucking God. So we are exhausted. We are exhausted. Xander says it sounds like it was an accident, whatever it was, and that's the important part. And Faye says, no, the important part is that Buffy is the accidental murderer. <laughs> so Faith. Great at lying. You're really selling it. So Xander says, uh, you may not think so, but I sort of know you. <laughs> like, oh, God. Um, he said, we can't. We can't. If you, Listeners, if you could see me and Carl, like, literally cringing. Um, he says, I've seen you post-battle, and you're, like, a wild thing. And half the time, you don't know what you're doing. Xander, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're not helping. And Faye says, oh, you're living proof of that, aren't you? <laughs> Burn. 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 And Xander says, you're trying to hurt me, but right now you need someone on your side. Kate, but she thought Giles was on her side, Xander. So as if to switch up Giles with you as an ally would be anyone's choice. So Xander says, what happened wasn't your fault. I'm willing to testify to that in court if you need me to. What? 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 What are you going to... Do you just want to go on the court record that you had sex with Faith? Like, that's what Faith calls him out. She's like, that's what you want is just go in front of your geeky pals and say that I used you. <laughs> and Xander's like, that's not it. And Faith is like, she starts touching him. She starts like getting up on him. And she says, I know why you came here. It's because you want another <sighs> taste, don't you? I don't like this part. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. And then things take a turn. And Xander steps back and he's like, hey, it was nice. It was great. It was kind of a blur. Someday, maybe, yeah, but not now, not like this. So he says, no, right? No. And Faith grabs him and she's like, more like how? Lights on or off? Kinks or vanilla? <laughs> she says. And so here we go. So so Faith was very defensive when he got there. Now she's deflecting all that insecurity and fear into her sexuality again. 
but she's cranking it up to 11. So Xander says, I thought we had a connection and Faith just laughs in his face and throws him violently onto the bed. And then she gets on top of him and she says, you want to feel a connection? And then she starts like viciously grabbing his, like rubbing his skin and stuff on his stomach. And she's like, it's just skin. I see, I want, I take, I forget. And then she starts pulling at his shirt and she's like grinding up on him and she's kissing him aggressively. And Xander says, no, it was more than that. And Faith says, I could do anything to you right now and you'd want me to. I can make you scream. And she's making out with him aggressively again and he's really alarmed and she's like basically holding him down and she's like biting his lip and she says, I could make you die. And then she starts to choke him. So... Okay, so this this is alarming. She is sexually assaulting Xander. She's uh, attempting to rape him, it looks like. And that's really horrifying. And yeah, we make fun of Xander. And in this very scene, we're like, God damn it, Xander, fuck off, right? But this is next level uh, inappropriate. Like, he does not yeah. deserve this. This is really awful. Well, and I think I think it's awful that the writers have faith to this, right? Yeah. Like, this is the the ultimate hypersexual exaggeration of faith we've been talking about that for several episodes now and and for faith to use her sexuality as a way to emphasize that power that she's feeling as the slayer which she brought up earlier in the episode it, it's the writers connecting you know slayer power with female sexuality and this idea that women who are aggressive aggressive in bed must be inherently violent and wrong and that's what I really dislike about this scene, on top of obviously the fact that, you know, sexually assaulting somebody, holding them down, you know, possibly attempting to rape them, choking them, like, that's all bad. Um, but like, on top of that, it's like, it's this comment on how women being aggressive sexually is a bad thing. And, you know, women shouldn't do that. Like, we saw that in the Zeppo. It was Faith coming on to Xander and it's being painted as this terrible thing. And now we're seeing that in this episode. And it's like, these girls can't get a break. Yeah, I know. And I think if anyone's interested, there's a there's a, a wonderful novel I read called The Power by Naomi Alderman. Yeah, I've heard of that. Oh, my I God. I haven't read it yet, but I've heard of it's it. It's so good. And it's about if women around the world were to get power, um, it's basically the time the power they get. It's like an electric electric power that um, allows them mm -hmm. to overtake men, right? So uh, like a lot of it is like, there's a, there's are scenes in there where women are raping men because they have the power to do it now. Um, and it's there's a conversation around what you're saying here where it's like, okay, so women who, if they had the power, would they do what men do with their sexuality and with their aggression? So I don't like that the writers did this in this way with face character in here, but it is opening up that larger conversation around power and what it means to have power mm -hmm. and how you can abuse it for men and women, right? So this is hard. So I don't think Xander, obviously Xander doesn't deserve this and it's really sad that this is happening to him, but thank God Angel the Lurker <laughs> was lurking by at this moment and he comes and he hits Faith over the head with a baseball bat and knocks her out. So we cut to Angel's mansion. And he has faith in chains. Remember Angel's famous chains? So she, he's he's got faith in them. And he's telling she's telling him, you know, oh, you finally decided to tie me up, huh? And Angel's like, yeah, sorry about the chains. It's just not that I don't trust you. Actually, it's just that I don't trust you. And Faye says, 
hey, the thing with Xander, we were just playing. And Angel says, and he forgot the safety word. And Faith says, safety words are for wusses. And Kara, my safety word is Angel. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> continually surprised by how much adult stuff made it into this show, mm -hmm. right? Like, this is a show nominally for teenagers. It was on YTV when I was a kid. Uh, and talking about things like safety words, I'm just like, whoa. Like, the, you know, I mean, we just had that scene previously. But also just like, you know, because Angel has a history like we know he has this twisted sexual history with darla and drusilla mm -hmm. this is a guy who knows about chains this is a guy who knows about kinks and bondage and stuff so for him to just casually quip about safety words i'm just like okay 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 uh i like it <laughs> so angel kneels down in front of faith and he's wearing a beautiful long trench coat i'll add and um she's asking if he's going to shrink her basically like are you my therapist and he says i just want to talk to you and faith says that's what they all say let me just stay the night won't try anything and angel says if you want to go the long way around i can do that i'm not getting any older and he walks out to the garden and the camera follows him. It's a very long shot of him walking slowly we're away. we're like, where are you going, Angel? <laughs> Why is it lingering? This is your house. Did you forget that this was your house? <laughs> he's like, 10 p.m., time to lurk. <laughs> he's like, no, he <laughs> He's got a little alarm in his walk. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'd stay longer, Faith, but I got to go lurk by the bronze. <laughs> I can't cancel that again. So <laughs> Buffy is, is, no, Buffy's outside. Buffy's sitting in the garden waiting for him. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I really like that Buffy's sitting out there. Can't Faith hear them, though? Like, there's, yeah, the, there's not that a far big away. open doorway. Maybe that's why they, they lingered on him walking away <laughs> to show, like, God, yeah. this is a long time. And now they're but far I, away. I like the way Buffy's sitting. She looks very adult in this scene. Yeah. Right? Because it's kind of like mommy and daddy have had to kind of, like, deal with their wayward child. And, you know, Buffy's wait. And I love that she waited for him. Like, mm -hmm. she didn't go in there. You know, it's not like they're good cop, bad copping Faith. She she trusts Angel so much to deal with this. And I thought that was lovely. Yeah, I agree with you. So Buffy's asking, you know, how's she doing? And Angel says it's like talking to a wall. But you get more from a wall. <laughs> and, and Buffy's saying, you'll keep trying, right? And Angel's like, yeah, yeah, we're just getting started. So Buffy says she's going to go to Faith's place and get some, some of Faith's things so that Faith knows that they're on her side. And Angel, you know, she, he's warning her. He's like, don't get your hopes up because she might not want us to help her. She killed a man and that changes everything for her. And Buffy says that Giles said with counseling, they might not even have to lock her up. And Angel says, that's not what I mean. She's taken a life. She's got a taste for it now. And as, what? as this is what I mean. I was like, oh, what? What? That's because, not how okay. this works. You're confusing Faith with a vampire, Angel. <laughs> Angel, Faith has a soul. <laughs> and more importantly, it was an accident. She didn't mean to murder this guy. She's not like relishing in it. So I think I just, the Scoobies are doing their best. Giles, Buffy, Angel, Xander, like I, their intentions are good. But they're making it worse. <laughs> they're making it worse. I think Angel probably is the best guy to talk to Faith at this point, just because he does know what it's like to feel like you can't be redeemed. A Angel is an inspired choice to be the head of the uh, well, redemption he, he's, arc here. He's the best person to keep Faith contained, right? Like, he knows. 
how dangerous yeah. the Slayer the, is. The chains are a little aggressive. The chains are aggressive, but they're necessary because she just tried to kill Xander. <laughs> so I get it. Uh, quickly, let's cut to the mayor, the mayor's office, and they are on the. They're watching security footage of Buffy and Faith the night before breaking into the night before, two days before. I don't know. So. I like to think that they're not doing this because they noticed somebody broke into his office. I like to think this is like their little ritual. Like they just Every pop in the security <laughs> tapes and they make popcorn and they just watch it. Yeah, this is just what they do. So they're like, oh shit, we caught something tonight. Um, I do find it funny that Faith and Buffy didn't think to worry about the yeah, cameras. they're not uh, good at this. That's, you guys, well, we know that Buffy sucks at being stealthy, but you'd think Faith would be a little bit better. At least Buffy didn't wear her leopard spot, her leopard print coat reconnaissance outfit from season one no but she wears it later in this episode for uh like she wears a leopard outfit later <laughs> for the docks mm-hmm. uh anyway the mayor knows that the slayers saw them and they're up to something so he's like okay mr trick go kill them now and soon because they're fucking on to me so angel is back at the mansion talking to faith and this is a nice little conversation between them because faith during the conversation is like pretty animate to leave. Like she gets really agitated at some points, but then she starts to listen. So what Angel's telling her is that he knows what it's like to take a life and to feel a future, a world of possibilities snuffed out by your own hands. Uh, He's like, there's a power in it, the exhilaration. It was like a drug for me. Also, you had no soul. (laughs) And also, Angel, you were a demon. (laughs) So whatever, whatever, let's just go with it. Uh, Angel says um, that no professional could have helped him. It stopped when it got, this all stopped when he got his soul back, his human heart. And Faith doesn't want to hear it. She's like, let me out. (laughs) And Angel's like, you know, Faith, you have a choice. You've tasted something few others do. And to kill without remorse is to feel like a god. So I think this is where the connection is coming. We're laughing because Angel, you, your situation is so different from Faith's. But the point is that like, if you don't feel bad about it, or if you're avoiding feeling bad about it, that is dangerous. And Faith is like, just let me go. And Angel says, you're not a god. You're not more than a child. So going down this path will ruin you. You can't imagine the price for true evil. And Faith is talking big now because she is kind of like a child where she's like, I hope evil takes MasterCard. And Angel says, all right, like you and me, Faith, we're a lot alike. Time was, I thought humans existed just to hurt each other. And he, Angel's chosen like a chill vibe. Now he's going to sit next to Faith. Maybe he offered her some charcuterie. And then he says, I came here and I found out that there are other types of people, people who are genuinely, who genuinely want to do right. And they make mistakes, they fall down, but they keep caring, they keep trying. And if you can trust us, Faith, this can all change and you don't have to disappear into the darkness. And I like to think, because again, this episode is showing us how far we've come this season. This is something that Angel learned from amends and after amends from all his conversations with Buffy about how it's hard to keep on fighting and how you have to do it every day. I think this is what he's learned from that. And now he's taking that and helping Faith with it. And that's great. So Faith is listening to this, like she's taking it in. And then a group of men bust through the door led by Wesley and... Do we, like, how does Wesley know where Angel lives? Questionable. And how does he know that he has faith? But whatever. They they throw a net over Angel and start beating him up with crowbars. And I was like, how can this be? How can Angel be taken down by all these men? I know. That was, my, that was literally what I put in my notes, too. Was I'm like, they took Angel down 
really easily. <laughs> like, if it was this easily. And then they leave him there. It's like, you just captured Angelus. Why don't you take him with you? Like, <laughs> It's so weird. And also that weird that because Wesley, like, removes the handcuffs off Faith and then adds his own. And then he's like, you know, by order of the Watchers Council of Britain, I'm exercising my authority and, re- and removing you to England, where you will accept the judgment of your disciplinary committee. And... Yeah, as they leave, I was also like, why is Faith allowing the men to take her away? It would be too easy for her to get away. I think she's stunned Um, in like a metaphor, right? Like she's just spent the whole night having to listen to Angel preach at her. And now, you know, she's probably a little weak. She hasn't eaten. She's been like chained up. And now Wesley shows up and he's like weirdly competent for a moment <laughs> so she's probably confused she's like wait is this west like wesley wesley wesley, wesley? you doing something <laughs> you know she's like she's like i don't know what's going on she's like i'm just gonna go with this like see how far this goes uh not very far at all because they have faith chained up in this truck and they're driving away and wesley's like you know tighten, so tighten her 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 restraints and she easily takes out the one guy that did that and she's like you know, unlock me or I'll pop this guy's head like a grape. And Wesley, you know, he he wants to fight her, but he just can't. So he undoes her hunt handcuffs. She punches him and then headbutts him and then jumps out the back of the car and runs away. So she got away pretty quickly. Good job doing nothing, Wesley. You literally fucked it all up. You and Xander, you guys. Fucking useless. They both had a thing for Cordelia. Ugh, like... Cord- Cordy deserves better. So much better. <laughs> so Buffy returns to Angel's mansion, finds him in a bag. <laughs> Just lying there in a net. She's and he's like hopeless. <laughs> so she's like, Bobby's like, not again. Not honey. again. I mean, you can literally come back from hell and still have your sanity, but you cannot escape nets. It's so hard for you. <laughs> Angel has a petrifying fear of crossroads. <laughs> they, know, they knew that that was his one phobia. So <laughs> at the library, um, Angel is telling the Scoobies about what happened. And Giles is saying, Faith will be soon on her way to England to face the Watchers Council, who will most likely lock her away for a long time. And Buffy is saying, we need to head to the airport and stop them. And Willow pipes in now. And she says... I'm wondering why. I'm not the most objective, I know. I kind of have an issue with Faith sharing my people. Dirty look at Xander. But she murdered someone and accused Buffy. Then she hurt Xander. I hate to say it, but maybe the she belongs behind bars. So I hear you, Willow. I think that's a valid point to bring up. But now Willow's giving me Xander vibes. Now Willow's pulling a Xander here. A little bit because again the way that they portrayed her crying early in the episode I can only read that as jealousy so how is this different from Xander being jealous of Angel and being like no we should just kill Angel where here Willow's like no we shouldn't save Faith we should just let them take her yeah same vibe so ooh, Willow check yourself before you wreck yourself <laughs> so Buffy says, yeah, she's out of control, but Angel was getting to her. She was opening up. So we need to stop Wesley. And that's when Wesley walks in. Buffy's like, you let her get away. And Wesley's like, yeah, she escaped. And Angel like goes to Wesley and he's like, good work. First you terrorize her, then you put her back on the streets. And Wesley says he was trying to save her. And Buffy says, you probably destroyed her. And Giles says that's enough, very softly, because he's the dad. But I just love that Giles is always the ones in these kind of conversations, these confrontations, that puts a stop to them. Because he is the most mature, right? He's like, okay, that's not helping. So 
They all break off the Scoobies. Uh, they're gonna go find out where she is. Buffy's gonna look at the docks. Giles to her motel. Angel to the airport. And Willow and Xander are gonna go to her old haunts, they say. And I was like, Willow and Xander should not be involved at all. <laughs> but um, Wesley says he wants to help as they're all leaving. And Buffy just says, still got your ticket back to the mother country? As in like, fuck off. And then they leave him alone in the library. So cut to the docks. Buffy finds Faith right away <laughs> on the ship that she said she would catch. And they have this whole conversation, like, really loud. Is there nobody guarding the docks? Is there nobody guarding this ship? Like, you think they'd attract some attention. Yeah, and if the, the ship is going to leave at any time, right? So where's the crew? <laughs> um, uh, regardless, Faith is saying that we're not friends. And Buffy's saying we could be. It's not too late. And Faith calls her like little Miss Goody Two Shoes. And she says, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to be like you. And Buffy's like, nobody's asking you to be like me, but you can't go on like this. And you're hurting people. You're hurting yourself. And Faith says, that's not it. That's not what bothers you so much. What bugs you is that I'm right. You know it in your gut. We don't need the law. We are the law. And this is weird blocking to me. So that was that was a really intense thing for Faith to say, a really dangerous thing for her to say. But mm -hmm. Buffy says no and starts walking away. Like this is weird blocking in the scene. She's just like starts hectically walking away from Faith and Faith is the one that catches up with Buffy. <laughs> and I was like, what's the plan here? Like what's going on? And Faith brings up the sex thing right away, right? She's like, you know exactly what I'm about because you have it in you too. You have the lust and I'm not just talking about screwing vampires. The sex with him, the danger. I, I bet a part of you even dug Angel when he was psycho. And Buffy's like, no, and keeps walking. <laughs> this is a weird, out of all their conversations this episode, this is the weirdest to me. Faith says, you need me to toe the line because you're afraid that you'll go over it. You can't handle watching me living my own way, having a blast because it tempts you. And you know it could be you. And Buffy punches her. He, she punches Faith in the, in the face because for some reason, what Faith is saying is getting to her. And I don't understand this. Maybe you can explain it. But I was like, uh, Faith is just talking out of her ass well, at this point. But Buffy's getting affected by it. I think the problem here is... Buffy's trying to play catch up, right? Like we've spent the whole episode um, trying to talk to Buffy <laughs> through the voice of Giles and Angel and such, being like, Buffy, Faith isn't ready to deal the way you're ready to deal. Buffy is finally trying to, like, she's finally accepting that she can't save Faith in this way, but she can't help herself. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is Buffy's conundrum here. Faith is happy to be in denial. She's happy to run away from this problem. That's how she's going to solve it. Faith has a direction. Faith knows what she's doing. Buffy is lost because I think deep down, Buffy thinks if I can't save Faith, then I am guilty of Alan's murder, right? Like I need to save Faith to save myself. There's kind of like a little bit of selfishness there. Mm -hmm. She's feeling desperate in this moment. Whereas Faith has more power because Faith has turned her desperation into action. Yeah, that makes sense to me too. And I think, um, ooh, it's just, it's the sex aspect of this, right? The fact that she's bringing Angel up into it, the fact that she's like, you know, it's all the danger. It's like, ooh, like the under, the towing the line that you need to do mm -hmm. that I don't do, you're jealous of. Because again, remember, Buffy is really feeling really, really crappy about being a bad girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so for Faith to compare having sex with Angel as like being that bad girl 
and besmirching that wonderful memory of her love of Angel, yes. where he also happened to turn evil. Um, you know, that's that's crossing a line for Buffy. Well, and let's not forget that this episode is called Consequences. So that was the biggest consequence of Buffy's life. So I guess it does make sense for Faith to bring it up here, in, or the writers to bring it up here. Ooh, I'm glad we're talking this through. <laughs> <laughs> so, ooh, so... Um, yeah, after Faith, after Buffy punches her in the face, and like I think we need to keep an eye on this because quite often Buffy's the one to throw the first punch. <laughs> Buffy's very punchy. She's yeah. very punchy. <laughs> uh, it's violence is no good, uh, even if you're the Slayer, especially in conversations like this. So um, again, Buffy starts to walk away, but then a, a crate. A crate dangling above them. <laughs> and I work um, in the construction industry, and that's a big no-no. You never walk under something that's being well, I, I mean, if we want to talk health and safety staff, they should be wearing hard hats. <laughs> they should be wearing high-vis vests. Yes. They should have signed in when they got to the site, right? Yep, like, absolutely. There, there's a lot of stuff they're not doing properly in this scene. Yes. In fact, we should just start doing that every episode. Where could this be more safe? <laughs> How can this scene be more safe? Um, yeah, so anyway, the point is a crate drops down on them, crushes Buffy, Faith, because because Buffy pushed Faith out of the way. And Mr. Trick and his vampire fiends all start beating up on Faith. Isn't it nice how they waited for Buffy and Faith to finish having their little heart-to-heart -heart and then they attack? Yeah, it's kind of like those, even villains do it. When you walk in and people are having a really <laughs> intense combo, you're like, oh shit, like, should I come back? <laughs> yeah, I can just picture Mr. Trick showing up there with his minions and faith and buffy are in the middle of this argument mr trick's like yeah i'm not touching Yo. that this is white girl shit. yeah it's some white girl shit going on here but also i think mr trick is such such a good observer in that maybe he was like maybe they'll beat each other up <laughs> maybe they'll they'll kill each other like it might be way easier for me yeah, he's like i don't even have to fight today damn and then all of a sudden he's like no no we're just gonna drop this crate on I them think you're right yeah he's like okay go 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 now now they always pick the right moments don't they and that was very like wily coyote of him to just like try to drop <laughs> something on their heads uh, it worked it worked because Buffy's stuck under there and it takes her a while to get out. And as soon as Buffy gets out from underneath the crate, Mr. Trick attacks her really violently and very aggressively. And he um, ends up punching her a bunch, but then he like ends up putting a rope around her neck and choking her. And Faith has successfully taken out the other four vampires. Pretty impressive. And then she sees Buffy getting choked and it looks like she's going to take off. And just as Mr. Trick is about to bite Buffy, he stops, he stops, and he says, I hear once you taste a Slayer, you never want to go back. He shouldn't have paused. He shouldn't have paused to quip. They always pause to quip, and we it's the death of them. We have been talking about this for a whole year now, Kara. These vampires need to stop talking before they do something, because that gave Faith just enough time to stake him in the back, and then he's, uh, you know, he was pretty pretty prevalent villain this season, so he gets a little death scene, and he says, oh no, this is no good at all, and then he dusts. R.I.P. Mr. Trick. Oh, he deserved a better ending than this. I mean, it's nice to get staked by a slayer between slayers right after they have a confrontation, <laughs> but like, I better yeah, I, death. I wish we had seen more fighting from him, yeah. because like, I, I find this scene very realistic, you know, the, at the very beginning of the fight, I was like, wait a minute. Buffy and Faith took out so many vampires last episode. Suddenly they're struggling. But we have to remember, Mr. Trick, he's an older vampire. He's very strong. Like the last time he and Buffy tangled was back in Band Candy when uh, they were down in the sewers, right? And he was fighting her. 
he's like, I just got to see what you got. He eventually ends up running away. But, (laughs) you know, in that moment, like he takes out Giles like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, he almost gets a chance at Buffy. And we see he's a very formidable foe, even one-on-one, like for all his his smart talk and behavior, right? Like he's he's got some fighting chops. So I believe what's happening in this scene with Mr. Trick getting the best of Buffy at first. I couldn't remember if Faith saves her. I was like, wait a minute, does Faith take off now? Um, I couldn't remember that. It makes sense, you know, that she does. Um, but yeah, I just, I just want to take a moment because Mr. Trick has been such a wonderful part of this season. And this show has not had many, any high-profile black actors. Oh, so we, we had Kendra. So we've killed the two black characters. Let's not forget Kendra. Three-episode Kendra. <laughs> we've, till, we've killed the two black characters that have been prominent on the show. Um, but he was a good character. Like, this was a wonderful role. The actor was just so good at it. K. Todd Freeman is the actor. Yeah. So I just want to take that moment and acknowledge that because we're going to miss you in this series, Mr. Trick. Amazing Grace. Let's <laughs> have a little funeral. For Maybe him. not the best <laughs> choice of song for a black guy. Yeah, uh, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let's not forget that K. Todd Freeman was actually going to play Spike, right? Like that's how, for, that's how powerful his audition must right. have been. So they brought him back, probably invented this character for him. So, yeah. This is just one of, like, he's a top sidekick villain in my mind. Yeah, I agree. He was one of the greats. Goodbye. And then as he dusts, Buffy and Faith are left staring at each other. So we cut to the library. Giles is pouring Buffy some tea, and he's saying that she saved you. And Buffy said she could have left me there to die, Giles, but she didn't. And I don't know, Buffy, the bar is very low. (laughs) Um, But anyway... She's she came back to town with Buffy and Giles says that she still has a lot to face before she can put this behind her. And Buffy says, I'm not giving up on her. And Giles says, then I think she stands a chance. So clearly everything between Buffy and Giles is better. The trust is there. They've um, established something. And this is a really nice scene between the two of them. But then, of course, we cut to the mayor's office who's ready to leave when he opens his door. Who is standing there? It's not Mr. Trick. It's not Mr. Is it Mr. Trick? <laughs> it's Faith. Faith is there. And so Faith's like, you sent your boy to kill me. And then Rose are like, yep, you, of course, you know, not going to die. Duh, yeah. And Faith's like, he's dust. Mm-hmm. And the mayor says, I thought he might be what with you standing here and all. Uh, so Faith says, I guess that means you have a job opening. And she walks in to the mayor's office. Ooh. And this is a this is a bit of a head scratcher to me. I'm not sure I follow the logic here of now suddenly Faith is evil. I don't I don't know. I feel like this is a little bit of a stretch. And and I think a lot of it's gonna hang on what happens in the next episode. But Yeah. 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 Going from what she went through in this episode all the way to, you know what? I want to be the new Mr. Trick. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's getting us where we need to go, I think. But like, uh, it, It's a great dramatic ending to the episode. I And and like I said, this episode, so much of it is perfect in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the Willow scene. And, uh, <laughs> and Xander. This scene is a wonderful scene. Um, and it's a great way to end the episode. It just, it feels like we're just missing a little something. And I don't know. Don't know what it is. Who's your hero? <laughs> Well, okay, I'm a little bit torn. I'd like to say Giles, 
Um, and you made this point of like, yeah, Giles has like redeemed himself. He's like, you know, he and Buffy are good again. I don't know if I've forgiven Giles yet. It's too soon. Too soon for me. Plus, he didn't like I, I wanted him to be my hero because he trusted Buffy. And he's like, yeah, I know. I didn't really do that much in this episode, though. So I'm going to give it to Angel because Angel was here throughout the episode. He was using his lurking powers for good. <laughs> you know, he intervened and saved Xander. He chained up Faith. Everything was going to go to plan. It was Wesley's fault that it didn't work out. Um, so Wesley's ultimately responsible for turning Faith evil. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, I'm going to say Angel. Angel's been Lurking here. for the people once again. <laughs> uh, that Angel's a great choice. I chose every Scooby except for Willow. <laughs> Even Xander? Even, hey, like I said, Xander was misstepping in what he thought was going to be helpful, but the intention was to help Faith. Okay. I don't think we could really argue that he was doing that for himself as he has in the past, right? Like, I'm going to do this good deed yeah, for myself. Yeah, I, I see what, yeah. Okay, I agree with you on that. Good point. Yeah, so I, I put <laughs> I put Xander in there, Buffy, obviously, Giles too, and Angel especially. But I'm sorry, Willow, um, you didn't do anything to help the situation in this case. You you raised a, an important objective, uh, um, objective point in not wanting to help Faith, but that's not what the uh, that's not what the Scoobies are about. So do better yeah. and cry. Keep crying. Cry away. I don't know. <laughs> also, where's Oz? Where's Oz? Good point. Oz should have been here to comfort Willow. Exactly. Um, Ugh, no, that would have been awful. Like, why are you crying, girlfriend, who I love so much? Xander had <laughs> sex with <laughs> Faith. Like, thank God he took a break from this episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we have the hottest of steaks for you. Um, we have kept them warm in the oven while we've been <laughs> recording the episode. They're, <laughs> they're on simmer for you. <laughs> <laughs> but they're ready to be eaten. So <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, yeah, so I'll go first. <laughs> yep. So the first one is from Laura, who wrote in about uh, about this episode, Consequences. And uh, she says, do you think that the way the Scoobies treat Faith and Consequences cement her heel turn? I think yes. They all see her as evil and, and a murderer straight away, despite acknowledging what she did was an accident. Terrible, yes but an accident. I think that Faith believes that they have all given up on her already. In contrast, the mayor at least notices her and gives her attention in that one scene we saw. Yeah, so that's Laura's point. And actually, that actually ties in really nicely with what we just said, Kara, where you and I were like, this is a little bit of a stretch. Well, Laura's saying that um, the fact that they treated her as a murderer and they took it way too far when it was an accident, and you and I had talked about that too, right? Like, whoa, 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 back, yes. back, pump the brakes, everybody. And, and to be clear, I'm not being critical of the writers on that because I, I think it's great that the Scoobies make these mistakes because yeah. um, it does fuel this conflict in the show. And there, there's been some discussion on our Discord. We have a Prophecy Girls Discord, by the way. Plug! Um, <laughs> where people were talking about how in this series, the Scoobies are really, really harsh on people. And they let certain people get away with things. Um, but other people, they don't let off as lightly. Especially people who aren't considered part of the Scoobies. So it's interesting to kind of see that in this earlier part of the series. You know, see them dealing with what happens when one of their number betrays them in this way. Yeah. Thanks, Laura. That was really good. Our next hot steak is from Kayla, who had some comments about our bonus Twilight episode. Yes! <laughs> Kayla says, I live in the Pacific Northwest. I've been to La Push and Forks a few times in my life. 
Uh, the Quileute Nation is at risk if there is ever a natural disaster like an earthquake or a tsunami. Um, so she's referring to the fact that the indigenous nation depicted in Twilight, which is real, uh, has not benefited from all those tourism dollars and stuff that drove people to visit that, the area after Twilight came out. And, you know, I, I blame Stephanie Meyer. Mm. But anyway, Kayla goes on to say the whole reservation would be wiped out in minutes if either of these things occurred. And since Washington is on a fault line, it's almost inevitable. They are trying to move to higher and safer ground, but need funds to do so. If you could please give a shout out to the Move for higher, Move to Higher Ground movement on your podcast. Um, and if anybody wants to find out more about that or donate or whatever, you can go to mthg.org. Thank you for chiming in there, Kayla, because it's, it's so interesting to me to kind of talk about like what are the real world consequences of locating these kinds of really like hyper popular things in you know real places mm -hmm. and then one of the consequences especially when we talk about like like indigenous nations or even just kind of like impoverished communities that don't see the economic benefits of these big media productions mm -hmm. so uh thanks for sharing that kayla and uh we will put the link to move to higher ground in our show notes so our last hot steak is from Tamara and Leon. And uh, you, I think anyone listening to this podcast would be interested in this. There is a Facebook group called Not All Men, but definitely Xander <laughs> Harris. <laughs> and it's run by the wonderful Danny. And um, I'm in it. <laughs> of course I'm in it. But we get uh, people wanting to share that Xander slander all day long, all day, every day, 24-7, around the clock. And Tamara gave us a hot steak through that group. So here's what she had to say, and it's about Angel, my love. So her and her friend Leon say, people wonder where Angel's Irish accent goes between the Boxer Rebellion and when we see him now. So if Angel traveled to the US, he would have blended in better and possibly been treated better if he got rid of his Irish accent. Dating back a few centuries, Irish people were demonized and seen as subhuman. Due to the famine and many other cultural significant moments in Irish history, there were a lot of Irish refugees fleeing to the US and England. However, they weren't treated very well, being seen as second-class citizens. Oppressed, forced to live in slums, be refused jobs, and not even being able to go to certain businesses, all on a basis that they were Irish. There was even a propaganda campaign based around vilifying the Irish people, calling them all criminals and drunks. So this led to a lot of Irish people trying desperately to get rid of their accents, and even going so far as to de deny their own heritage to avoid being seen as less than other people who weren't Irish. And there were even sides of English businesses that said, no blacks, no Irish, no dogs, as late as the 1960s. So what I'm trying to say is that the oppression of the Irish may have led Angel to get rid of his accent as a means of survival and way to blend into the background of the U.S. streets and draw less attention to himself. That's really interesting. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that little history lesson. You know, I, I was aware of the fact that Irish people have historically kind of been excluded from that definition of hegemonic whiteness at various points in history. But that's some valuable context. And it's interesting to me because it's like, I think the idea of vampire accents is very interesting, you know, because like, on the one hand, because they live so long, you got to wonder, like, does their accent just shift based on where they're living? Because they just do they forget? <laughs> you know, if, if you're live, if you're around, 
everybody is sounding like that for mm-hmm. 50 years. Do you just take on that accent? But then we've got somebody like Spike who has a British accent, but like his accent is more kind of like a working class British accent. And that that may not even be his like original accent from England, right? Like that might be an affectation. I don't want to go into the spoilers. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is a really great example. Yeah. Uh, an- another really great example of how people can feel represented on this show. And this is interesting. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting way to do it, right? Like Angel is Irish. Like we know that we've seen his past. We know he's from Ireland. And we brought up the question like, yeah, his accent's terrible. That's David Boreanaz's fault. But where's his <laughs> accent now? So for somebody to know this history about Ireland and then guess, maybe he purposefully got rid of it for these reasons. I think that's really cool. Well, and even if the writers did not put this much thought into it, I love it when fans invest the time in, in, you know, filling in those gaps with like, maybe this is why. And it makes so much sense. And we love the Irish over here. So keep coming, keep coming <laughs> with us with these Irish facts. I like them. <laughs> um, okay. And then before we go, we've got another Buy Me a Coffee supporter. And we have a new chosen one <gasps> joining us. Chosen one. So thank you to Teza. And Teza says, I became a fan of Buffy due to the MTV reruns in 2012. Uh, and essentially started with the final season. Bold choice, Teza. Bold choice. Uh, then in the same year, Buffy was put on Netflix, and I consumed it all at the ripe age of 13 uh, and proceeded onto Angel. My favorite character has to be the girl herself, Buffy Summers. Mm. Uh, finally, my favorite episode is Between, Becoming Part 2. Oh, yeah. An immense. Um, although, you know, once more with feeling is up there. Totally understandable. Thank you for all your support, Teza, and thank you to our other chosen ones, Lizzie, Emma, Hannah, Tara, Molly. Uh, we really appreciate all your support, all our Buy Me A Coffee supporters. I'm just feeling the love. <laughs> the love we feel is a consequence of the love you're giving us. So <laughs> thanks, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.